Have you ever beatboxed with your name? I feel like Giddy is a great name to do that. You write any songs like Giddy. Yeah, I've never, but I love it when other people have. <laughs> and yes, I actually, it's funny because um, I was in the studio like a week ago with a big artist and I don't want to say the name, but I didn't do it. But the other writers, they, they wrote a song with, you know, little giddy up vibes in there. Little giddy like, up vibe. I, who am I to say no, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah. Let them flow. Let's do one right now. You do the top line oh, melody. Boy. Oh, boy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. I have with me an incredible musician, songwriter, producer. We're going to talk a lot about his story of how he graduated from musician to touring musician to songwriter to producer. He's doing a lot right now. You know him from his work with her, Anderson Pack, Miss Lauren Hill, Mac Miller, J. Cole. There's a lot of artists. We're going to talk all about it. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Giddy. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. Good. <laughs> it's good to have you here. Cheers. Blueberry coffee. Salute, blueberry coffee. Toluca Lake represent. So, man, I, uh, you have a really, really interesting story, which I'm excited to talk about. I think we should start at the beginning, but I would love to talk specifically about you coming here as an immigrant, your growth, how you started getting gigs, and what led you to like where you are right now, because I think it's a really inspiring story. Oh, thank you. Um, where do we start? Let's start? I was born on a cold. No. Um, <laughs> so I grew up in, uh, I was born in uh, Moldavia, which is right near Ukraine. And um, uh, my father is a musician and he plays a lot of instruments. He plays violin, piano, guitar. Um, he's not necessarily like a virtuoso on each instrument, but he's got a great ear and he he's actually ha annoyingly has perfect pitch. I don't. And it's, so I grew up under, you know, he's also Russian, right? So, uh, very strict musical uh, bar that's set, you know? So um, <clears throat> kind of like made me kind of almost not really be into it when I was like young. But when we were nine, we immigrated to uh, um, New Haven, Connecticut. And so, um, you know, I didn't speak English. And uh, I feel like um, we had a good, it's crazy. We lived in an apartment, a small apartment. I, I was just learning how to speak English. And uh, my aunt, who came a couple years before us, she bought a condo and then we helped move and I found this guitar it was like this dog like this do this basement that we were cleaning out this dog shit everywhere <laughs> and in the dog shit I found this guitar and it had no strings on it it had dog shit all over the case I took it home my mom washed it the thing always fucking smelled like no matter how much you wash it it was like in the hole somewhere something like kind of like it just always smelled so it was a nylon string guitar which the neck it was really thick, and we put, um, somebody gave me some strings, so we put steel strings on, on nylon string guitar, so I was nine years old, and, like, it was not easy playing that fucking thing, and, like, that's how I learned how to play, like, and that's how I feel like my hand got strong, and... You taught yourself guitar, and... No, so my dad, you know, he plays guitar a little bit, he knows some things, and so he showed me some chords, and for uh, my fourth grade talent show, I played and sang the song yesterday by the Beatles, which was really the first song I fell in love with as far yeah. as my own piece of music, and... 
Um, That's funny, just to touch on that, because if you listen to your production work these days, I feel like I can hear in, in your style of how you play guitar and everything on a lot of the songs, I feel like there's a there's there's definitely, you have a sound. Oh, and, it, and and to hear yesterday as the song that you fell in love with yeah. that taught you guitar, because I feel like that kind of finger picking, that kind of strumming, that beautiful melody. Mm, I actually you. hear that in your songs today. Thank you. Well, what, what was it about the Beatles? I, um, you know, like I was, it was such a, uh, I don't want to say traumatic, but it was such a new, overwhelming experience to come culturally from a place in Moldavia where we dress different, we talk different. It was a whole different culture to come to America and now just have a, um, overwhelming sensation of a new experience. Yeah. And so the Beatles kind of were my bridge because they sang in English. Yeah. It was like rock and roll. So it's like I associated a lot with America, even though they weren't American. In a lot of ways, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's because a lot of the music is, is black music that, yeah. that maybe it was that that signified that um, relationship to America. And so, you know, when I came, when we came to uh, America, the East Coast, um, hip hop, it was 1991 and, and hip hop was in, in full effect. And so when I would meet the kids in my apartment building, um, they would be listening to like Wu Tang, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg. Um, and those were the, those were the records that I learned English from really. Mm. Um, I remember the chronic and doggy style, like really me and my mom, um, really like transcribing me, like transcribing ain't nothing but a G thing. Wow, and I, my mom didn't speak English either, and we just thought my mom thought it was so funny that Snoop said "chill" to the next episode, and she'd be like, "Huh, chill to the next episode, huh?" Wow. And so, like, that's how I learned English is from from these rap records, but also Beatles songs. So it's pretty much like you like you were in L.A. growing up, essentially, because you're learning the lingo of L.A. Those are such L.A. records, exactly. And now you're here, exactly. Wow, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. When I remember, it's crazy you said that because I remember when I first started coming to L.A. and understanding the L.A. sound. I'm like, oh my god, like this is already a part of me without in me your ever being here. You were a kid, yeah, yeah. That formed you. You're learning exactly. English to ain't nothing but a G thing. <laughs> exactly. That's amazing. Exactly. Because yeah. you were speaking Russian. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's my first language. Yeah. yeah, it's your first language is Russian. You come to Connecticut. You yeah. learn English by but listening I, to Snoop. I remember landing in New York at, at um, JFK Airport, and I remember getting in the car my very first time and driving and seeing like the skyline of uh, Manhattan yeah. and, and Queens and Brooklyn and being like, what the fuck is this place? Like, whoa. My dad was always a jazz fan, you yeah. know? And so, like, I got into music. I was doing Beatles, and then, like, it was cool when I was in, like, middle school. Like, Nirvana was a big, right? And so that's right when Kurt Cobain died. And so um, that we started socially. We started playing, like, um, me and my friends started wearing, like, ripped-up jeans and playing Kurt Cobain songs. And um, that's what, and then I got into metal, like Metallica, like so. I was really like a metal kid, and my dad was always like, "Oh, so I like the I like the intellect intellectual aspect, the math of 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 like metal and stuff like that, and being technical." So I studied guitar, and like everybody wanted to play basketball. Um, so I, I so we when we first came, sorry, I'm skipping around. No, it's okay. I think it's important for me to mention that when we first came, we were really um, we we're Jewish immigrants, and we were very poor, and yeah. so we moved to uh, not not the best neighborhood in, in New Haven, Connecticut, right? Hamden, Connecticut. And so um, a lot of my friends were from, you know, same, cl like, lower class, like like myself. But then 
my mom, uh, she 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 kept working hard, and she got a a gig in, in at the Fila, um, designing shoes. And so we ended up a few years later buying, uh, uh, moving into the suburbs, um, in Orange, Connecticut. And so I really didn't fit in there because, like, here I am. I had this cultural shock a few years earlier, and I really adapted to the inner city and like the culture there. And then all of a sudden, I'm moving into the suburbs, and like these, I thought it was bad to come from Russia, like, you know what I mean? I thought that cultural shock was going to be crazy, but I didn't expect the cultural shock into the suburbs. And so um, when I came there, I literally, we lived kind of further away. I literally didn't have any friends. And so um, I was really passionate up until then about basketball. But when I, when I didn't have anybody to play basketball with and like a lot of the kids, I didn't, they really, yeah, we culturally didn't really relate at that point. And so I just really just, started practicing guitar and really taking um, guitar as like a way to kind of like, uh, you know, uh, uh, like, like, like heal and transcend and really as, as a, like my friend and my way of communication, if, if yeah. that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. So that, so you dive deep into guitar. Yeah, I dive deep yeah. in guitar and was like into metal and shit and just like studying all the like, you know, all, all the, uh, like Kirk Hammett, Dimebag Darrow, like Paul Gilbert, like Ingrid Malmsteen, all Hell that yeah. nerdy shit that a 14 year old would, would really Rip be, up. yeah, be into, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then my dad always tried to get me into jazz. And then one, one night he played this record dynamic duo, uh, Jimmy Smith and West Montgomery. Nice. And I just fell in love with, I remember it was the groove that I fell in love with. It was the organ bass. It was like an 808. It was so heavy and, it was just jamming and they were like playing some real soulful shit. And with, with, I remember, you know, with the substance that my dad always preached in jazz, you know what I mean? And so now I, I fell in love with it through the groove. And so then that's how my journey in jazz began. And so I was 14 years old and it was like two weeks later, my dad was like, let me take you to a jazz club. Like, so you could, you know what I'm saying? And I was 14 years old. We sat and it was this guy, uh, Bill Brown, maybe it was, I don't know, 50s, 60s, like, you know, had some prominence, and the, the the trio was a piano trio. They were swinging. It was a grand piano. sounded amazing. And then they were like, we're going to bring up this guest, this 14-year-old kid, and his name was Dan Rosenthal. He was a 14-year-old kid, came up and played trumpet. And this little fucking kid was swinging at 14, playing the language, sitting in with the older band. Yeah. And I was like, damn, he's 14. I'm 14. Like, what the? And... So I went up to talk to him and I was like, yo, I'm 14. And like, you know, he was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, like, like trying to shade me. But I stayed in touch with him. We became good friends. We started working together and I really learned the jazz repertoire. And so by the age of 14, before I turned 15, I was already making money. Um, we already made no money when we were doing like the cool music, like uh, the metal shit, you know, and playing at free uh, freaking talent shows and shit. And like uh, teen centers for no money. But as soon as I started playing jazz, I'm like, oh, started making like 50 bucks, 100 bucks there. And we're like by 14, 15, like <laughs> we were making money yeah. playing jazz. Amazing. And so I got a, um, I really just started really just thriving in jazz. And um, um, really a big change for me was uh, when I uh, got a full scholarship to go to the Berkeley five week program when I was uh, 15. And so um, I went there. It was a fucking crazy experience. The first time I smoked weed, the first time, I'm not even going to mention. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I was 15. Everybody was like 17, 18. And we stayed five weeks away from my parents. It, it, 
like in the middle of the city, just nobody supervising. Yeah. Like that shit was amazing. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's crazy because um, you know, uh, uh, Regiment Horns, yeah, Leon and Capsule, yeah. they they were there. They were That's seventeen awesome. year olds there. And Lasim too. And uh Ruslan. Yeah. Ruslan was my best no friend. Way. He was seventeen. I was fifteen. He was my best friend. He blew my fucking mind. He Amazing was as player. good as he is now. He was as good seventeen. I promise you. That's crazy. You know, just it, shredding keys. No, it was it was yeah. insane. It was insane. And so, um, yeah, that was like a, a yeah real important experience for me. And so, being at Berkeley, you're making you're really networking with guys. Yeah. That, Guys, that girl, I mean, Regiment Horns go on to be like the one of right. the horn sections playing with exactly. Justin Timberlake and everything else with Adam Blackstone and everything. And then Rustlin's playing, and Rustlin's making his own albums too and yeah, playing with a of course. ton of artists. Like, the greatest in the world, right? Yeah. So, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's crazy to have, have met. And it's funny because I was at a Robert Glasper show and he was saying that him and Nora Jones were in fucking camp, jazz camp together, you know? Yeah. This is a, we're lifers, Elmo. We're lifers yeah. in this shit, man. We were, you know, the, Got to you. Got to treat people as such. You know, you got to treat oh, people yeah. as, as 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 we're lifers. For you sure. know, you see, you, we've all seen people come and go. Yeah. But but us, we've been doing this forever, and we're not stopping. And it's it's a it's a certain lifestyle. It's not like a big break that you get. To me, yes, that big break comes, but it's not about that. It's about the consistent work that you put in for oh, a yeah. lifetime. Yeah, <laughs> perseverance, resilience wins, and it's it's cyclical too. So it's like, yeah, someone you meet when you're 17 or 27 or 37 is popping off more 10 years later, 20 years later, whenever. Everyone has moments. Everyone has ups and downs. I'll be real with you, man. A lot of times the people winning now yeah. are kind of not, it's like high school. It's never. It's high school was high school. College was high school. Life and business is high school. So like sometimes like you really oh the like the popular oh that's you know but it's sometimes the most successful ones are not the ones who were popular at, at college. For Just sure, be real you know. For sure. And if I may, you know, Regiment Horns, they're one of the biggest you know most consistent, work, consistently working horse sections in the world, right? Um, and they necessarily weren't always the popular all-star, you know what I mean? For sure. Like, horn players, like, they were always dope. Leon was always burning, you know what I'm saying? But they they were kind of the underdogs in college, you know? And, yeah. and it's amazing to see that. And that's just one example because I find that it, that seems to be very true. Well, a lot of the time the underdog develops the work ethic. There it is. There it is. And... You know, you you got a lot less distractions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if yeah. you're not the popular kid or whatever, and you're just, or you're, or you find something that maybe you're an introvert, and maybe you just focus on something and go super hard with it, and become incredibly and talented with it. I think you said it. Yeah. I, a lot of times, I find this true. I think about this on a daily that uh, a lot of times, if it comes easy, you take it for granted. Yeah, and so, um, you know, I'm developing. Uh, people around me, interns, assistants, uh, co-producers, co you know, young writers that I'm signing. And every time I want to do something for them and, and skip them across the line, like, I got you, come on. I always, it always comes back to home. Whenever you mm. cut a corner, yeah, not be, might not be tomorrow, but it, even if it's 10, 20 years from now, that shit is going to come back to bite you. And so by you waiting in that line and you actually, yeah, like you said, it, you develop, you develop the strength. It's not a coincidence that you're the underdog yeah. and then you win. It's because you're the underdog and you yeah. 
really work that much harder to develop those skills, you end up winning on a bigger level, on a more consistent level, I believe. Yeah, I think also if you're all in, if you're 100% in on what you're trying to do in music or really anything in life, Life. but for us with music, whether it's uh, writing or producing or being a guitar player, drummer, engineer, whatever, whatever it is, when you're all in and you live it, you will get great. Mm-hmm. And luck is preparation meets opportunity. There it is. So all, wait, all you can... Wait, success is preparation meets opportunity, there right? There it is. Okay. There it yeah. is. Success meets preparation. Is preparation meets opportunity. Because, mm-hmm. And what can you control? You can control all the preparation. And yes. then just And then just welcome the energy of the opportunity there to hit is. you at the right time. Right? Exactly. And you got to be ready today. Yeah, right now. No, right now. Right now. Yeah, if yeah. you're not ready right now, no, I think, I was, I, you know, a lot of people, I think, maybe on, on up and coming, think like, oh, yeah, I'll get a call or I'll get an op- audition, then I'll prep or whatever. It's like, yeah. man, the biggest call, especially when you haven't made it yet and you're trying to make it, the biggest calls are, can you fill in right now? Right now. You got to be ready right now. <laughs> no, it's true. It happened two nights ago that literally I was at an event. It was 11.45 and an artist was like, ah, I'm pulling up right now. So I hit my boy. Listen. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've been wanting to work with this artist your whole life. Are you ready? Yeah. It's 1145. Yeah. Wake up. Are you up. coming over? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. As Terrace would say, wake the fuck up. Exactly. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Love that energy. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, and, and for you too, like coming from, you know, a country people don't even, a lot of people don't even know about <laughs> speaking Russian, coming here, coming to Connecticut, having no connections. Having not even speaking the language, learning guitar on a shit stained guitar. Yeah. Right. Learning English to nothing but a G thing. Yeah. And then eventually, and then gigging, learning how to play jazz, making 15 bucks, being like, yeah, that's money. Going My to first Berkeley. gig, it was $35, which I was oh, like, that's big. Word. Like, yeah, that's some wow. real money. Wow. Yeah. That's some real At money. 14, I was like, wow. Yeah. Like, it's I, probably still yeah. the same prices, unfortunately. Anyway, we'll get I remember my I remember my first van gig. I remember at the time I was 15 on a punk rock tour and I remember I got $7 a day per diem and I was like, this is extra cash Yeah, per diem. Seven. I was balling on that. The government doesn't that know about this. A, that got me a foot long at the time at Subway, bro. Yeah. yeah, yeah government exactly. doesn't know about this. I was getting 150 bucks a week pay and I was like, hell yeah. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, listen, yeah, I know. I know. Um, but, uh, so, okay. So, yeah, and then and then you go to Berkeley and you mm-hmm. end up making great connections. Mm-hmm. And then so, how does the Lauren Hill gig come up? Exactly right. So when I came when I graduated from Berkeley, um, um, I came back and honestly, I was came right back home, lived in the same room with my parents, and honestly went back to playing with the same bands. Yeah. Um, and it was like that moment, like no, the bands are still good, they're great musicians, but it's like, damn, where am I really? What am I really doing? I went. And then now I'm like right back what I was doing in high school. And so I was rehearsing with with a band um, that I was playing in high school. And I got a call on my cell phone. I just got a cell phone. I mean, maybe like two, three months before. And it was from a number. And it was one of my friends from school. Now, it wasn't one of the most popular kids. So I was like, okay, I'll call him right back. It's fine. I'll call him back. And so I... Like, we, we finished the rehearsal set, and we were going to do another, like, little run the set again. All right, everybody go to the bathroom. Use bathroom break. So I went to the bathroom, and I checked the um, message. And he was like, bro, pick up, pick up. I'm, I'm in Boston. Lauren Hill is having auditions. 
And she asked me if I know any guitar players. I'm only recommending you. Call me back. And I'm like, what? So I'm like, yo. He said, come here right now. Come to Boston right now. I'm in New Haven, Connecticut. I'm like, okay. I'm on my way. So I literally get in rehearsal. I'm like, guys, um, I got to go. I, I got to go right now to audition for Lauren Hill. So I drove. I got on the car. I already had the guitar. I drove straight to Boston. It was maybe two, three-hour drive. I got to the studio. And it was myself and a couple other people. And the audition began. And so we started recording, writing. And before you know it, that was maybe like 6 p.m. We recorded all night in the studio till maybe 11 a.m. That was the audition was recorded? It wasn't even. I mean, the audition maybe yeah. lasted maybe the first 20 minutes. She came. She said, do you know how to play flamenco? And I, I I'm not a really flamenco player, but I had chops to fucking fake it. And I yeah. did it. She was like, oh, and that was it. It was literally, it was like maybe 15 seconds. And that's and a curveball too. You're no, not thinking was, yeah. Lauren Hill's going to be like, can you play flamenco? Well, and she yeah. was like, she was really making some, some, some world music, some African music. And at the time I was like a real big nerd and like, you know, Ali Farkatori and like listening to some like African guitar players. So I was like, oh, I'm actually into that. And I started like playing something. She was like, what like okay let's go like yeah so we ended up yeah recording like for two days straight pretty much so you caught sleep. yeah you caught the vibe with her immediately yeah yeah i've heard stories up to then that she was not the easiest to work with that that though that experience those two days in boston without managers without uh bands just myself her and an engineer and one other person though i will say that was a very positive experience and yeah. then a week later, I got a call from her mother and who, or and an assistant, and uh, said that she would like to have me audition um, in New York City for her band. Those were experience. Those experiences got a little dodgy, um, <laughs> and it was kind of an interesting experience. Uh, all the stories you hear are, are true. You know, I, I not much I could say that hasn't been said already yeah. about that whole experience. It was actually crazy because I. Fast forward, I was at the Hollywood Bowl, and, it, you know, shows can can be a little chaotic. But I didn't even say anything. I walked up to her guitar player, and I was like, hey, buddy, like, I had your gig, like, 15 years ago. And he was like, oh, so you know what I'm going through, huh? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I do. Um, anyway, so. Why but, were there two different mentalities or mindsets? Uh, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but. Um, Recording is different than live. No, it was. I, you know, it's actually funny because I, I was just talking about this. That yes, um, it's like more of an intimate setting sometimes in the studio. You yeah. know what I mean? And not to say that that. It was just, I don't know, for some reason or other, it was just very challenging. She would go, she would, every day new people would come in, a new guitar player would come in and go home. Every day. It was like a fucking month long audition process. Wow. To the point where everybody. That even lasted long. They were just worn out and like over it. And yeah. but me, I was it was my first opportunity, so I was like, yeah, okay. They were like, why are you so like freaking happy about like yeah. this sucks, like you know, because they all were already like touring musicians at the time, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so uh, somehow I made it, you know, past the month, past everybody. I somehow I made it, and they, t I didn't even know what was happening. They called me literally fucking four hours before the flight and like okay you got to go to the airport now to go to london i'm like what the fuck like what okay. i've been auditioning for a month y'all couldn't tell me like okay fine yeah, let's yeah, go yeah. i'm going yeah, right yeah, like yeah, yeah. so ended up going to london performing with her and yeah um did that thing and then came back and 
nothing and right back with my with my parents, you know. <laughs> but I will say this. I the think I think grind. the takeaway yeah, yeah exactly. The yeah. takeaway from that Lauren Hill situation um was that it, it was a very challenging situation. It was emotionally very challenging, unpredictable and I think it was I remember thinking after it, like coming back and almost being like I mean, some of the band, the singers who were with her for a while, they were kind of bullying me. I was the youngest one, you know what I'm saying? And they were kind of bullying me, like, a little bit, I felt, you know what I'm saying? And, like, I came back being like, oh, like, this is just, this was a weird, this wasn't the dream gig, at, like, what? Yeah. So I remember being, thinking, like, okay, if this is what the business is, either I just give up now and do something else or fuck it i keep going yeah. and i remember having to think that and been like okay keep going now that was technically one of the, the worst situations so i'm glad that my my first experience in the business was was not great you Very know what difficult. i mean because yeah. it really helped set the tone and, and like this the is expectation be hard. like the yeah, expectation yeah. of what this yeah. shit is luckily it does get better and it does get easier. <laughs> I, so I'm glad I made that decision. But yeah. in some ways, it really conditioned me to, to yeah, I call it having like a spiritual shield around you. Yeah. I mean, you kind of went to like boot camp. Oh, boy. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. She made me carry her. I never forget that. She made me. I was just trying to be nice. She made me carry her guitar. And then we went out somewhere afterwards. These motherfuckers left me uh, without a uh, without a taxi Uber. What the fuck? There was yeah. no Ubers back then. Yeah. Without a without a taxi, so I'm like carrying a pedal board, my guitar, her guitar, like across town, trying to like figure out where I'm staying. It was just like I was like 22. I was like, what the hell's going on right now? Like, it was wild, man. It was. You're a 22 year old kid. Uh, you're a 22 year old kid. In the middle of London, kid. yeah. In the middle of London, it, but. Now that I think about it, it, it the, the, yeah, it was some pretty fun times. <laughs> wow, man. Yeah, that'll definitely sculpt you for sure yeah. and make you strong. Yeah. Yeah. But it's fun. I have that video. We were of us performing on TV. I'll, I'll send it to you. And yeah. Let me see. Who was in that band? My boy Willie Parker was in that band. This guy, um, uh, uh, Leo Brooks, was in that band, a bass player. Um, uh, Latrell, she was, she was an artist. She was singing background. Um, yeah, it was, it was some 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 all stars. Been a large yeah. cast of characters and yeah. musicians that have yeah. played with Lauren Hill. Exactly <laughs> that that part. The rotating door. Yeah. That's crazy. That, that was your first experience. Yeah, yeah. And then Alicia Keys was next. And then the rest of my life began. This yeah, is this crazy that, story. Right? So this really, I didn't know what the, I didn't know what to do. I came back. I was, you know, I was just like confused, a little traumatized, a little broken. Like, okay, what do I do now? Like, do I keep doing this? And then so. This story literally changed my life and literally is why where I am today. Um, I was living back with my parents. Um, I would just say yes to everything. I'm just anybody that had any any anything, I'll do a gig, right? And so um, there was there was this um, group of they were like dentists or doctors from like they, and they they weren't real professional musicians. They were just like you know what we call weekend warriors, right? Yeah. So they really weren't great musicians. They were just you know, just, oh, let's have some fun on the weekend, and they were a horn section. Now, trumpet and violin are the two instruments. Like, you might not have played piano for 20 years, but if you walk up to it, you could just get a touch, like, and get a sound and remember something. Same with drums. Trumpet and violin, if you don't really play that shit, 
you're going to sound horrible. For so sure. let me tell you, this horn section, bro, oh, my God, they were so bad. Here I'm coming right off of the road in London playing with Lauren Hill. And, like, now I'm, like, playing in this band of, like, with the worst sounding. Like, and they're trying to do, like, Tower of Power, Earth, Wind & Fire. They're trying to do, like, Shining Star, like, real intricate horn shit. And they, they sound like doo-doo. And I'm, like, in re in rehearsal, like, why what like why am i doing this like this sounds horrible this is not a good look for me and this is not enjoyable so we go home they're like yeah we'll see you tomorrow at the session and i'm like i go home and, and um my girlfriend at the time the night of like the session starts at like 7 p.m and it's like six and i'm like oh i don't want to do this i don't want to do this i changed my mind this is this is below me yeah. like i am tired they don't even have the money. I'm like, they're paying me in pizza. Like, they're getting pizza. Like, what? Like, this is crazy. I just got back from London. This is nuts. Like, why am I doing this? She was like, listen, you committed to it. Be a man of your word. Go and do it. And the better you do, the quicker you get the fuck out of there. Yeah. I'm like, bet. You're right. You're right. I'll do that. And so, in wanting to, like, be a man of my word, I went. And um, I'm setting up, I'm playing guitar, like in the room, getting the sound before we start. And um, through the glass, I see somebody walking in. This is in the middle of West Haven, Connecticut, in the middle of nowhere. I see somebody walking through and I'm like, oh, that looks like Bobby Brown. And I'm like, oh, that is Bobby Brown. And then so I started playing some and then he's walking. He stops and I see him through the glass. Look at me. And I'm like playing and then he starts talking to the engineer like and they're like pointing at me and all of a sudden I hear on the loudspeaker, hey, uh, Jeff, can you come on in the uh, in the control room, please? So I come in and by Brown's like, oh, I heard you play over there. Like you sound amazing. I'm recording downstairs. Um, maybe when you're done with this session, you could come and lay something down. I'm like sick. So now I'm pumped. Yeah. Finish the session. It's like midnight. I go downstairs. We're hanging. He was basically there in West Haven, Connecticut, because he was in rehab down the street. And so he was, like, around people that, like, cared about him. He wasn't, you know what I mean? He wasn't using, wasn't drinking. And so we're we're, we're um, making, they're making music down downstairs. And I'm like, they're like, yo, can you play on guitar on, on a track we're working on? So I play guitar on the track, and he loves it. He's like, man, you're amazing. I have a gig next Thursday at Toad's Place, which was the Connecticut venue. I have the whole band. I just don't have a guitar player. Can you, would you join me? I'm like, yo, this night is working out amazing. <laughs> like, okay. So he's like, okay, cool. I'm going to put you in touch with everybody next Thursday, but we're going to do a rehearsal. Cool. So then I get hit up and um, they're like, okay, there's a, we're rehearsing in New York City. So I go to New York City and it's an all-star New York City band that's playing the show besides, you know, besides me. I'm the yeah. only one not from New York. And so um, the bass player is this guy by the name of uh, Steve Rodriguez, but goes by Steve Styles, And um, we meet, we connect, we do this Bobby Brown gig, um, uh, become friends, and then Bobby has like a little run. We do uh, like the Tom Joyner Cruise. And so we become friends through it. And then he at the time was playing with Alicia Keys. And so he was like, yo, I think there might be like a, a switching of chairs. I want to introduce you to the musical director, um, Andre Gill. Um, to, to see maybe, you know, you guys could connect because he might be looking for a guitar player. Mm. And I'm like, what? So 
I meet Andre. We really connect, by the way. Shout out to Andre Gills, one of my uh, mentors. As well, you know, as the story progresses, you'll see he's one of the people that really took a chance on me and and did some of the most for me um, in this business than anybody has. And it's, I consider my brother, and I learned just so much from. And so, anyway, shout out to Andre Gill. But yeah, so I connect with Andre, and then he said, "Listen, I, there's a show we're doing um, with Alicia. I want you to do it." You know, and so it was. I remember it was 2006. And um, I was like, yo, bet. So he sends me the music to learn. And so I'm like, oh, interesting set. Cool. I, I love these songs. And I'm like, yo, we're doing a bunch of David Bowie songs. This is dope. I love, I'm obsessed with Bowie. So, yeah, this is easy. And then I'm like, I get the call sheet. And it says, uh, band arrived, band set up, Mr. Bowie arrives. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait, 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 hold up. What does that say? Mr. Bowie arrived. I'm like. Oh my God! I'm gonna be playing with David Bowie. So my first gig with Alicia was is a benefit concert, uh, Black Ball that she um, uh, started uh, in order to fundraise money for. Um, I believe it was it was ch children with AIDS in Africa. Mm -hmm. um, so the, and so um, David Bowie, uh, it was somebody else, uh, uh, Damian Marley. Um, and so yeah, I start my journey with Alicia with that one show, and and so. Um, I remember meeting Alicia because I, I knew who Alicia's manager was, this guy by the name of Jeff Robinson. I remember meeting him after the show, after I did well. I was like, okay, wow, I did it. Like my first show with Alicia, with David Bowie, all these people. And like, maybe I'll get in the band. Maybe they like me. Maybe I'll actually, nobody promised me anything. So maybe this will lead to a permanent position, right? And so I remember walking up to Jeff Robinson and be like, I know who you are. Like, I, 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 I love, you know, I respect your work. Like so honored. I mean, he was like, "Yeah, maybe we'll have you. Maybe we'll have you join the band." Okay, so that was a very <laughs> important interaction for me. Yeah. Um. So then I ended up joining the band a year later. Um. A year later. Yeah. So he was on the off season. Okay, got it. It got was it. and since and yeah. be, in between then I had an equally bad experience as my my first experience. I had a really shitty experience. I'm not even gonna lie. I'm just gonna say it. it was this artist Jaheem. Yo, this was the like we had we were three to a room um in a hotel room. I mean this was like Horrible. we were on the bus, like he gave us a curfew, like we wasn't even allowed to oh leave. God. It was like really some army, some fucking boot camp shit. It was <laughs> whack. Anyway, so I had a horror book, so I'm like, oh my god, please Henri, call me, save me, get me the fuck out of here. And so I quit the tour. I quit the tour and I was like, yo, I'm not this is like abusive man I, I i don't i don't need the money that bad like and i remember going home a month early it was the mary j blige tour i went home a month early and i said what am i gonna do now i said you know what i'm gonna do what i what i wanted to do and i i really got heavy into recording and, and writing songs for that month i would like i had pro tools and reason and i would be writing songs and um i would have my friends who rap and sing come over i would record them and i i really got better at producing and writing during yeah. that summer. And then they called me to go, you know. So that was something that I always really, I got into Berkeley because I just, in Berkeley, it was it was just overwhelming amount of musicianship. And I was like, you know, virtuoso and, and like doing all the big jazz shit. And I really just, after that, I was like, it's not that I got bored with it, but I just, I'm like, well, what's next? I'm like, let me tap back into my childhood uh, influence was like the Beatles and like vocal music you yeah. know what I mean and songwriting and stuff like that so I started like singing I really fucking sucked when I started 
Um, I feel bad to all of my roommates or my best friends that would hear me fucking sing, you know, trying to build. And, but like, so yeah, that summer I really got into songwriting and production. I, and, um, yeah, I started getting good at it or, or decent enough to record myself. And then, so I got, a, got into Alicia's band, did that. It was a, it was a ride. It was a wild ride. Like we, it was probably at the height of her career, biggest Maybe. moment and the biggest tour probably, you know, she's ever done. Um, and yeah, I was right there and I felt like my career was taking off and, I really, my whole, I really was passionate about writing and producing, and I knew at the time that um, I really wanted to transition into it. And there was a um, a bass player, her bass player at the time, was already writing songs with her, and so I really, I was like, okay, there's, I'm gonna be like him, you know. And so like I was, he was hazing me at first, you know, mm -hmm. and like everybody that was always the path every musician wanted okay i'm gonna start producing and writing so i was like you know for for like my whole time with, with alicia trying to like figure out a way to like transition into that and then it happened um she started bringing me around into the studio trying to see the right way to to really say it um it was an exciting time and she you know a couple of times I got flown out to like work in LA and I got people from EMI coming publishers and I'm like holy shit I'm really this is it this is it this is my chance my career as a songwriter producer is really starting right now and you know I don't know if I'll never know if it was me dropping the ball or just somehow being out of my um out of my uh control but it didn't work out for me like that and um it was really it was a really humbling really humbling moment and you know i would be in the studio i'd be waiting outside for the and like maybe come in and play on something yeah and i would be living in connecticut so i would have to like you know, get out of the session at 7 a.m. and drive back home on no sleep. And, like, it was just, like, a hard... And then I'm like, what's going on? Am I... Why am I not being included? And when I was in the room, it felt like I didn't know how to navigate in the room. I didn't know how to suggest an idea musically, composition. Like, I was dope, but it was just so much pressure in the room and, yeah. like, almost hogging the space. Like, I didn't know how to... I didn't know how to psychologically navigate. So all that, I also didn't have a manager. I didn't have an attorney. I didn't have a publisher. I had nobody really Backing helping me. You. Yeah, yeah. Helping me in any way and looking out for me. So whatever it is, you know, I missed my break. I missed my first break that way. And so then she announced the album is done. I'm credited as playing guitar on one song and i'm like damn i got no writing credits no no production credits shit and it's time to go back on the road i get in the call all right the album's done we're back into promo mode and i was like i remember going to rehearsals and being like wow am i taking a step back because mm. you wanted and to i wasn't happy yeah and, and i was like damn i'm gonna do this again and i got a little it's not that i got depressed it's just like I just I started questioning whether this is something I want to do is be her guitar player again. Yeah. And so I woke up one day and I said I'm quitting. 
Really? And my parents were like, are you out of your fucking mind? You yeah. just made six figures. You know, you're making like, you were over here making $35 and you're making six figures now. You really, you could buy a house soon. Like, you could really get your life to, you know what I mean? Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, nope, I'm quitting. I, I got to pursue. Makes me happy. And, you know, everybody around me, besides one person, um, my, my boy Mike Faust, shout out to him. He's like my OG, and I, I still talk to him. He's like my spiritual guru. But he was the only person around me. He's older. Um, and uh, he was the only person around me that was like, nah, fucking go for it, man. Fucking do it, bro. Yeah. You're young. Go for it. You knew no you regrets. wanted to be a writer. Yes. So what I did was I started a band with my two friends. Started a rock band with my two friends. And I, I don't think we really wanted... I mean, it's not that I wanted to be a rock star. It's just I wanted an excuse to write and to produce. And the only way to do that, we're like, well, fuck it. We're just going to sing and we're going to produce ourselves. Yeah. Don't worry about finding an artist to do it. You exactly. just do it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so people are like, really? You're you're quitting the, the gig of a lifetime to as a guitar player to fucking to, to start a rock band with your friends in the garage? <laughs> really? That's what you're doing? Okay. Yeah. And so everybody was against it. And I, but I remember the night. I told them that I'm leaving and I drove back and I just, I cried and cause I knew it was the right thing to do. And so anyway, I started a band with my friends. We called it the step kids. Um, we recorded, um, we, I bought all this equipment. I had all this money I saved up from Alicia touring and I just bought all this equipment and you know what I'm saying? They didn't have money at the time, but I'm like, yo, fuck it. Let's go, man. Let's just like, I got this. Like, what do we need to do? Rent a little play. All right, cool. Like let's, let's, let's do this. So, and we made an album, and that was when I found myself as, as a producer. We all produced mm. it. We all mixed it. We all wrote it um, because we had to. We didn't have a budget. We tried to have somebody mix it. It didn't sound right, so we just learned how to mix through that. Yeah. I learned how to finish, and we recorded the whole thing to tape. And that's, up until then, I was kind of mimicking my favorite producer, whether it's Timbo, like Pharrell, Kanye, whatever, Dre. Um, but at that moment, I, we found our sound, and I found my sound as a, as a producer um, it was, which was really based in, in being able to really make my own things that sounded like a classic record because we were recording the tape with live instruments, getting drum sounds. And so we were able to make it sound like it was a classic record, but we would every time consciously add something modern that would make you be like, wait, no, that's, that's, wait. It's almost like a classic record, but it's something. This is now because there's like that 808, or there's like a there's some kind of a thing that it's almost history rewritten. But that was the first time I felt like, okay, nobody's doing this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, man, I left Alicia and I held auditions for my friends, and I'm like, I'll help you guys find a guitar player. And it was like I held auditions, asked my friends to come and. We pick, you know, they picked the guitar player, and uh, yeah, bro, I was on my way, and we was we was humbled, you know, like we were in a band, we were touring, we got, we did get signed to a label, um, Stone's Throw Records, and oh, you nice. know, and yeah, we 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 did do some good touring, went to Japan a couple of times, we got some some uh, fans, we got some international uh, hardcore fans, and but it was like financially very humbling, and like yeah. so it wasn't like, oh, you made the wrong decision, it was like. A, losing all my money like you know what yeah, i'm yeah, saying yeah, oh, like yeah. down like losing my energy like but going hard like torn like i went from flying private jets with alicia 
to like fucking driving in a 12 passenger van sleeping on the floor because we were the three or four of us sharing um, a hotel room yeah and so I'm in an air mattress on the floor the air mattress always fucking it's the cheap one I didn't want to buy the expensive one so they would always like start the the air so I'll be literally freezing in the midwest somewhere oh my god on the floor in the morning by 6am I'm on the floor freezing uh, and so went from yeah went from went the lavish the tour bus bunk, but no even private because at least private, you would do yeah. these would, would do One these with, and, yeah exactly yeah, 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 yeah exactly yeah yeah and so man like it was but it was really but you learned how, that's what that's what made you be like now I'm a producer I learned now yeah I'm a because I knew I, I mean look self. Radiohead when the thing when the thing came out my my favorite band at the time Radiohead they posted that this is their favorite album. Of year the song lala was their favorite song your song yeah no way so here i'm still living with my girlfriend's house you got no money but radiohead fucks with you but radiohead fucks me i'm like that that's one that was one of my epiphanies great artistically i have such recognition but i'm literally crashing with my girlfriend and she's like can you pay something monthly like but that validates that you're like well i'm talented i'm on the right path validates it but but, but at the same time it's like well what the fuck yeah, yeah. What is there to do now? You got to crack the code still. What is there to do now? Yeah. I don't need to prove anything artistically to anybody. Yeah. What is there to, you know, Tom York likes my shit. Yeah. He inspired me. This is why I make the shit. And up until I found my sound, my shit sounded like him. So for me, I validated that I have my own voice because I clearly, I, people used to tell me I used to sound just like the mother. So I'm like, clearly if he likes my shit now, I don't sound like I have something new to offer. Otherwise, yeah. why would he... So I don't have to prove anything. But now I'm like, why am I fucking broke? Yeah. What's going on? And so that sent me on a path to be like, okay, there's a business to it. And let me, I have to figure that out, man. Yeah. I have to figure out the business. And so I'm like a purist. Like, um, I don't fuck with no pop shit. Also, also coming off of Alicia, I'm just a little traumatized with pop. And now I'm like liberated because I'm getting to do like honest music artistically driven and if I want to fucking do some atonal string parts like I could do it like it's fuck pop music yeah yeah I, that's what I'm on just I to be honest phase. like I had that fuck pop music <laughs> like yeah. we make the popular music you know what I mean yeah. and so and then so like I was kind of like hating on on like other like successful artists and uh, a friend of a friend one time just kind of wanted to confront me he was like man you're just a hater you just be hating everything and Maybe that's your problem. Maybe you just hate them because they're more successful than you. And he said something like cold like that. And I was mad and I thought about it. I was like, damn, he's right. He's right. Maybe that's why I'm not successful because I'm not I'm not tapping into something that they're tapping in. And so like I said, you know what? Let me listen to that same shit that I used to not like. That like it was fun to talk shit about. I'm like, you know what? That shit is dope. You know, like that pop star is dope. Like, you know what? Their songs are great. Wow. The producers and writers that work with them are the best in the world. So why am I hating on them? Why am I hating on the pop star if the people making their music is literally just the best? Like, it's nerds like me all over the world that are just dope. And they're just, you know, so I started being open to some music that I wouldn't normally be open to, even if it had only a one, five, six, four chord progression. You know what I mean? The same fucking chord progression in every fucking pop song. Um, I'm like, you know what? Okay, it's not about the chord progression. It's about the texture here. It's about the, it's what the words are saying, about what the melody is, about the tone of the vocal. And so <clears throat> that set me on a path to be like, you know what? I'll enjoy. If it's top 40, whatever, top, you know, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be 
fucking the most progressive music. Like I could find a beauty in in a simple pop song. Mm-hmm. And so that that was a very important shift of mentality. It was around 2012. And I had that shift of mentality. Like, you know what? And I remember hanging out with one of my friends and they were like, well, what do you mean? You're not going to, you're not out here listening to Taylor Swift, are you? I was like, well, actually, have you heard the record? And they were like, really? I'm like, yo, it's, it's fucking dope. Like, you know, they're like, oh my God. Okay. We lost him. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, that was a very important shift in mentality for me. Um, and, then, uh, um, <laughs> and then, yeah. And then I, and then, um, the band, you know, it was just tough, man. It it was tough. It's like, when do you say goodbye? You know what I mean? Yeah, it yeah, wasn't yeah. one event that I was like, fuck this. It was just like constant I'm losing money. Like we're touring, we're getting, you know, when you're on tour sometimes and you're running your own business, you're so much is going in ahead of time. Like if we're doing a festival eight months from now, I want to buy the tickets now. Yeah. Et cetera. And then you're not getting the money till later. For sure. So you don't know till the end of the year till you really do the books. And I was doing all the books. Um, Great. It wasn't many books to do because we wasn't making no money. It was really just Just what's outgoing, just spending. It was the books of spending. And so I would be doing it. And I saw it one year at the end of the year. I'm like, oh my God, after all this and like 200 dates, uh, uh, touring dates a year all over, not being home and being exhausted, we made seven thousand dollars each yeah off of the whole year of like full-time work and i'm like i am tired i can't even do it again right now right so i was like yeah this is not working so honestly i went through the hardest most single broken period of my life and i was literally gonna give up on music i was like dude this is crazy i left alicia i'd be like calm like yo are y'all still looking for good? Like literally coming yeah. back to elite. Like they were like, no, sorry. Like yeah. Alicia's pregnant. Like we're all tours canceled. Like, I'm like, damn, what do I do? And I was at that point. I was like, man, maybe I just go back to school and, and um, maybe I just go back to Berkeley, just teach or something like that. Maybe I go back for, I don't know. And so I was like, maybe I just, yeah, maybe, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll get into teaching. Maybe I'll do something different. Like, and it was a moment I was like, wow, I, this is my lowest point, and like I was really depressed. And then um, I told the band, I said, "Listen, I can't do this anymore. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I can't. I can't be in the band anymore." And they're like, "Okay, okay. Well, we have this one tour. It's we're playing Glastonbury. This was our we our biggest achievement so far is playing Glastonbury, and we booked it eight months ahead. So by the time I'm like, "Yeah, I'll do Glastonbury. Sure, like we're going to do it. We're going to do this one last run. But after that, guys." And then, you know, the managers and the agents were like, dude, you guys do you guys are at the height of your thing. You guys are doing Glastonbury. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but it's not, it's not, it's not what I thought it would be, you know? Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> I remember one day just, just being depressed and just like doing research. I remember reading a bunch of Wikipedia pages, reading Quincy's Wikipedia page. And yeah. Quincy, I read about the tour that he had his band and he couldn't even send his band home early. I think it was in the 50s. In like somewhere in Europe, he couldn't even send his band home because he was so broke. Yeah, and um, and he said that's when he learned the difference between music and business. And when mm. I read that quote, I was just like, "Oh my God, this is exactly where I am." Yeah, he turned the corner at that point in his life. I could turn the corner now. And so I just said, "You know what?" I called my friend in L.A. I said, "Yo, do you still do you still have that extra bedroom that you, that you use as storage?" He's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "How about I pay you for that?" rent right now he's like you sure you want to live there i'm like yep he's like all right when do you want to come i'm like next week and so 
literally I remember finishing the last show of the Stuff Gets Tour. My manager's like, Oh, aren't you coming to go to LA? When are you uh when are you thinking about going there? I'm like, uh, my flight is in the morning. He's like, You're going to LA right now? He's like, Oh, you wasted no time, huh? I'm like, so I did the last show, got on the flight, and um, you know, I was with my girlfriend who's my wife now, but at the time and wow. so I remember getting off going and um, I went to uh, a Super Soul Mondays. I got off the plane, went to Super Soul Mondays. I saw Stanley there. Stanley um, Randall. Exactly. Which yeah. I saw he was just on the podcast, yeah. which is, um, he's, we'll, we'll get into, we'll get into appreciation, uh, Stanley appreciation hour later because he's, um, he's just an I remember amazing Super musician. And all yeah. That and so, um, I remember I just immediately got sick and I'm like, what am I doing? And I like, I went home, I woke up the next day and I was like, I couldn't breathe dusty and like i remember calling my girlfriend and being like dude i made a mistake i i can't shoot because we were together you know for a long time and all of a sudden she's like wait you're just leaving me and going to la i'm like trust me i'm gonna go there i'm gonna fucking become successful and you're gonna fucking move out there trust me and she's like okay you said that before when you started the band like <laughs> you know like really now you're you're quitting the band and now you're, you're okay all right and so, like, I remember getting there and getting sick and being like, what? And in this room, and the room was so dirty, like, and dusty, and I was on this fucking air mattress. That, I mean, on this mattress with no, like, sheets, and it was so dirty, and I'm, like, sick, and I'm like, what the fuck did I just do? Like, where, why am I running around in circles? And so she's like, it's okay. You already did it. You might as well just fucking go for it now, you know? And the 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 turning point for me was the very next day, Henri Gill sends me a text. I'm like, dude, I'm in town. If you need anything, he sends me a text. He's like, did you say you're in town? I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, cool. I got something for you this Sunday, but you got to rehearse tomorrow. Can you do it? I'm like, yep, whatever it is. I didn't know what the fuck it was. Then he sends me a list of a few songs to learn. I'm like, hmm, these are all Stevie Wonder songs. What's going on? So I show up to rehearsal, and I'm playing guitar with Stevie. No way. Yeah. Just straight up the next day after you were in LA. So it was literally two days later. And that's why I knew, okay, I needed a sign. I and, needed and my faith to be re restored. And that was the... That the, was your sign. That was the turning the corner. And that, right was, a fill, that was a sub gig, right? Like it was a sub gig because the guitar player, Errol, he yeah. was on tour with an artist that... Uh, if anybody remembers listening, Philip Phillips, yep, he had a remember, song. Yeah, yeah. He was the one, uh, and he had a song at the time, and this was like Errol's, like I think, like first big MD gig. So right. you know, Stevie like let him go temporarily, and then like so I like filled in for like dude, there it you is. You know the, the 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 one show N A W uh, N A uh, N A C P awards yeah. um in two thousand fourteen, and it was televised, and uh, um I have the video, and Stanley was on drums, and um it was like really an important because stevie's always been you know obviously the the north star for me yeah um and uh i just it was the it was the it was the 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 faith that i needed it yeah was, it let you know okay you're yeah, on the right track it's exactly. validating you and it's preparation meets opportunity there exactly. it is again and, and you're like, like okay i'm this is why i'm here all this those risks, yeah. all those things of following my gut and not having yeah. it work out. It was for that moment, like, okay, I'm not fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did the right I thing. I need to be here. And yeah. even if I don't do any more shows with Stevie, even if I don't become his guitar player, even if nothing happens, I needed this experience 
to remind me to believe in myself because yeah. I, I was crushed. Um, and so when that happened, it was restored. And then two days later, my um, my friend at the time who ended up becoming my manager said, hey, um, there's this young artist, Chance the Rapper, and he's going to be at... Uh, uh, He's gonna be a Rick Rubin studio in Malibu tonight. Do you wanna do you wanna go and like me? And I'm like, sure. So I go, I meet Chance, and he knows me from the step kids. So let's nice. just say that. Like, you know what I mean? That, yeah. Cred, even though we, we weren't financially successful, yeah. we did um we had the supporters, like one of the supporters is Jimmy Jam. Yeah, Jimmy Jam nice. Lewis, and at the time, and so Snoop Dogg was a supporter. So there was like we were underground, but people were really in LA, people were really fucking with our sound. Matter of fact, I found out recently one of my close friends and collaborators, Anderson Pack, told me that he had a a real uh, a revel- revelation when he saw us play in 2011. No way! And he saw our drummer sing and play, and no he couldn't way. believe that we were playing funk and 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 singing three part. And and so he said that had a big impact on him. That's and awesome. I didn't know that, but anyway, so so cool. So and now you're so, working together on all these things with Anderson. Like so 10 years so I later. meet. So I'm in the studio with a chance to rapper and then j cole walks in i'm in there for 15 minutes before j cole walks in i meet j cole he's downstairs tinkling playing with the piano i come in i start playing acoustic guitar he's like yo you're dope give me your number one day two weeks later he calls me gets off the plane i just got off the plane come by the studio and that's how i link with him and that's how i end up doing my first big placement uh which was uh apparently um on the forest hill drives forest hill Forest Hills Drive album, Wow 2014 Immediately you came to LA Got the Stevie Wonder call End up with Chance the Rapper End up with J. Cole That's it Yeah At And you're with You're at Rick Rubens You're at Shangri-La Yeah well that yeah. That first day of meeting That yeah. was with Shangri-La Yeah so it was just Again it was just a real Wow But at that time I was so broke I had to, I had to go back on the road With yeah. another artist Which I said at one point When I left Felicia I would never do I'm never gonna tour As a guitar player But I had to do it I had to humble right. up And so Cause 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 um, they already had their sub guitar player Stevie. They didn't. They didn't need me for you know. So I ended up becoming Chance the Rapper's guitar player for like three, four months, and like just to really get my bread back up, you know. And yeah, like yeah. that, that was definitely a humbling moment too, because it's like they were all kids, like, and some of them are still some of my really close friends. And, yeah. But they were just like kids growing, and I'm already like the old guy. I'm like 32, and like I'm like <laughs> you know what I mean, like. They're like so happy to like share a hotel room together, and I'm like, "Fuck this!" Like, I need my own room. I was like the grumpy old guy, right? But um, yeah. Now that was just, it was just a, yeah. It was again, it was the strength and the faith and reminder to, to fucking believe in yourself and to take chances. And that that yeah. it's the most addictive. And you know, Elmo, and I want to talk about your 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 story too because you know that. Um, to, to be an entrepreneur, to be a businessman, or, or, or you got to take a risk in your, in yourself. You got to take a chance. And sometimes you fall on your face. It's a lesson. Mm-hmm. And but when when it connects and you mm-hmm. win, it's the craziest, most addictive drug in the world. For sure, for sure. You got to take a ton of risks. You got to be willing to fail. I mean, in your story, there's a lot of stub your toe, a lot of falling down, everything that all like gets you there. But it's like, yeah, the band that crushed you financially is also the band that gave you cred that got Radiohead to fuck with you and, and you know influenced yeah. Anderson Pack to drum and sing yeah and show him that that was possible leads you to chance to, leads you to all these different yeah. places is amazing yep. yeah and 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 that all comes with the failure the exactly. failure is what like exactly. and it also strengthens you up even from Lauren Hill toughening you up and everything all that kind of stuff exactly all right so the J. Cole album comes out yeah 
And you're now a songwriter that people recognize as, okay, yeah, he's a songwriter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that was the moment that it, it solidified my, my dream of being a songwriter and, you know, got some doors were open. Publishers start taking notice, managers and artists start taking notice. And, um, yeah, it began, I got the opportunity to, it's like going to school. You got accepted into school. And now you got to actually go to school and, and do good. So yeah, that was my entrance into that world, into that, into the industry. And in a lot of ways, some of the same people I met back then I, I'm dealing with now. And then, and from going back in till now, so, it, and it was a connection from the past that then brought you to meeting her. So yeah, two years prior to that, um, when I was still, um, uh, in in the step kids in the band, uh, Jeff Robinson, who I mentioned earlier, was Manage Alicia's Alicia. manager. Yeah, yeah. Uh, called me one day, and um, he was somebody I always like try to just stay in touch with. And I'm like, this guy is like a, a serious businessman. If I need, you know, he he's always if he's looking for any any opportunity for production or songwriting. So I kept in touch with him through years, and he he was calling like, okay, I'll let you know. And then so one day he calls me. He's like, okay, I have this girl. She's 12 years old, and um, he sends me, like, a news clip, and I'm like, oh, this girl's 12 years old. She's, like, singing and playing Alicia's songs. She's playing every instrument. Um, 12 years old, playing bass and singing. I'm like, this, he's like, I need you to, like, tutor her and, like, like teach her some guitar stuff. So I'm like, okay. So um, we, you know, I got with her. Uh, we, we actually, she had a showcase in New York, and I helped out. I played guitar, but I also taught her some of the parts, and I helped arrange the, uh, the set. And, um, yeah, she did her first showcase. She was 13 in New York City. And um, there's footage from that showcase, actually, of me playing guitar. And, and then there'd be time, um, you know, we'd, I would give her lessons on Zoom. I would come in to, like, give her a teacher some guitar. And um, when she first... Um, when she first did her very first thing, um, she used to go by a different name. And so she did like a BT performance where she took a guitar solo and I, you know, kind of like helped her with the guitar solo and stuff like that. I taught her how to tap. Um, I told, I say, <laughs> I said to tap right here, do this legato. And when you do it, get on your knees, the crowd will go crazy. And she did that. I mean, she looked, she was already dope as fuck. Like she's always been dope. Like, she like again. I seen her literally play bass um, and sing when she was twelve, and like she's just an alien. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, okay, I taught her some some lead guitar stuff, and so you're, you're I, mean, I, yeah, I helped mentor her. We were just hanging, you know what I mean, and just like showing her some guitar tricks. And um, so then when 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 the Four Seal Drives came out, I was um, she she's now they were she was really in studio mode. So then I would start to come out. Um, even right before Four Seal Drives came out, I was working with Cole. I was working with Chance. I started coming out to New York and working with her as an artist. Yeah. And I remember the time the manager, Jeff, was like, yo, maybe can you introduce her to Chance? Like, you know, when I try to bring her to Chance and the manager's like, and like show a clip, I'm like, yo, this chick is going to be the next. They're like, yeah, okay, okay. Like, yeah, blah, blah, you know what I mean? Like, but she was, I'm like, yo, this this girl's like Prince, bro. She plays every instrument. Like, she's going to be like, you know what I'm saying? She went by a different name at the time. Yeah. So, and it's crazy because a couple years later when she really came out, they were like, yo, that's the girl you were showing us in 2014. Yeah, you're right. You were right about that one. <laughs> Should have listened to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you were literally tutoring and mentoring yeah, her. Yeah, I've known she was 12 years old. 12 yeah. years old. That's yeah. amazing. Already super talented, giving her little things. And then... 
So then now you're a validated songwriter. You're working with Jake. Yeah, Cole I had my first place, and now man. She, and then she's going into studio mode. Yeah, she's going in the so studio mode. So then you mode. start. So you're like, okay, well, I'll write with you. Exactly. So I was working. Um, yeah, I was, I was, I was working with her, and we actually, I think it was about, yeah, it was 2015. Um, that we, she was going by a different name, and we wrote a song called her. Mm. Yeah. It, with the H dot E dot R dot. Um, no, no, it wasn't with that because that right. stands for having everything revealed. But um, but it was just called. But it her. was a song. It was a song called "Hurt," and that was like one that they were actually thinking about maybe going with a single. It was like one of the songs that was like really circulating at the time. And yeah, so fast forward like later, I was like, "Hey, did you?" She was like, "Yeah, kind of. I did." Like you know what I'm saying? So, um, but yeah. Anyway, well, because was so. That album that you were working on with her or those sessions? Never ended up happening. That, that never was, ended that up was, being the thing. It was just like, you know, they didn't know what to do with her. You right. know what I mean? Like, it was like at a time where, you know, it was a certain sound. Like, they didn't know what to do with somebody who plays all the instruments. Right. Crazy enough, like, years later, I'm like sitting, like, in a meeting with the chairman uh, and, and <laughs> the old chairman. He says, like, yo, to be honest with you, we didn't even... We didn't know, like, we only really signed her to do a favor for Jeff because Jeff had Alicia Keys at the time. What are right. we going to do? Say no. So we only signed her, like, as a favor wow. to the manager, you know? And I'm like, oh, shit, that's crazy. Yeah, so so she was, like, you know, slept on, and, and, and they and she was a kid. She was finding herself still, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. She was a great musician, but a prodigy, but artistically – you know, she was still discovering and figuring herself out. And then so, um, you know, I ended up just being in L.A. I couldn't travel to New York as much. So there was like a like a six months or a year where I didn't work as much with her. Yeah. And then um, I remember maybe 2016 or 17, 2000, late 16, it was in 16, um, she came to L.A. and they were like, yo, let's work. And then that's when she played me that whole first project and she was like i'm changing my name it's a new sound this is the first time the sound was cohesive and um she was maybe like 17 or 18 or, um at the time and that was the first time that i heard the music and i know her as as you know as a kid yeah first time i heard the music and there was like sexual re references in there like you know what i'm saying like and i'm like okay wow there's a whole new this is a whole this is a whole new era right now. Yeah. She's changing her name. The sound is cohesive and it's changing. It's they found the pocket of sound. And now she's talking about something that doesn't have to be young. And now she's talking about some mature, mature things. And so I was like, Oh, okay. This this could this could actually happen. This is about yeah. to really happen right now. And so I didn't have any songs on that first EP because I was I kind of they already kind of finished it. Yeah. So it was on the second EP that I was like, guys, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I haven't been able to be a part, but I really, I really want back in now. Yeah. And so a pr amazing producer by the name of Swag, mm -hmm. Arcelius, he, he kind of, uh, you know, kind of reminded Jeff, um, to, to kind of give me a call and to, to, to kind of let me back in the camp, you know, cause he yeah. was always there in the early stage. So, all that to say, yeah, they were they were they were kind enough to to let me back in. 
to the family. And then you did you did a bunch of songs on that. Album. Oh yeah. So yeah. so then you know we we would go to Miami and uh, do writing camps and um, at that point I was already let me see I was working with Mac Miller. You know it was this was now 2018. So I've had about three years of full production work. You know yeah. Rick Ross, ASAP Ferg. Mac Miller, I'm trying to think. I was already working with Anderson, I'm pretty sure. You know what I'm yeah, saying? I, yeah. yeah, I already knew Anderson. We were already working. Right. Um, and it was a couple other things, you know, Brandy, whatever. Um, but, yeah, that trip changed my life because I think we were there for a couple of weeks and um, seven songs ended up coming out on her next project that I did from from those maybe three weeks and that album ended up getting the Grammy nomination. Album of the year. Album of the year. My first Grammy nomination. Huge. Which the announcement came on the day that my daughter was born. Oh, that's a good day. Yeah, Congratulations. It was a good day. It was a good day. It was a good day. Which exactly. taught you how to uh, speak English. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And then so that puts you on a whole other level because now you're now you're a Grammy nominated for album of the year songwriter. Absolutely. And, and you have all these other credits because you've been putting in the work for fucking 10 years. Exactly. Plus, you know? Exactly. And it, it was cool too, because like it, it was a lot of adapting. Cause okay. In 2012, it was like some, you know, it was the like EDM sound. Yeah. And I, I was always, I, I always liked just music in general, but R and B coming from Lauren Hill and Alicia, like I, I, naturally gravitated to like r&b music right sure. and so but then r&b music wasn't popular yeah for, for all those years so um i had to adapt i was making edm shit i was making pop really got into trap music you know what i mean rap yeah. and making whatever whatever it is to 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 you know to uh move with the times and evolve sure. and then so when her started doing her thing and we were in miami working it was now i'm like okay i could bring acoustic guitar into this we could do folk mix r&b folk and make real r&b music and now because the music with like kehlani and like bryson tiller like r&b music started coming back yeah SZA, the sound started coming back so now i'm like oh i, I could just do me yeah i was just making and it was like effortless yes. instead of making hundreds of tracks and nobody writing and like almost everything we were doing we were writing to it and it was like cool that's one and happening, so happening, the, it was happening. just happening yeah, yeah, yeah exactly it was just natural and i'm always thankful uh to her because you know we we've we really i believe pushed the boundaries you yes. know there's a song we did called hard to love and that's like you know i grew up really loving Joni mitchell for example my daughter's named after her and so um yeah, I, I'm really thankful for an artist like her who allowed me to 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 even try to push the boundaries with her, where where soul music yeah. and folk music, where jazz music and, and you know R and B kind of connect. And for sure. so that 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 was a, an important moment for me connecting with an artist that not only was 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 you know relevant, but was also open to pushing some of the same boundaries that I was pushing as well for sure and also you're working with um a woman who's incredibly talented as an instrumentalist exactly so and you as a writer that's an instrumentalist how does that combo work she plays guitar you play guitar but you're like no of course yeah it's about leaving space and in the conversation if if you know a lot of times she has an idea she or you know she plays bass great too and um but but it's a, it's the interesting thing i think is that because we're already such good musicians i think our thing 
is really to know how to curate it. Yeah. Okay, she's a great singer, but we gotta we gotta uh, balance the ingredients so there's not too much singing. Yeah. Because these days we're in an era where people are doing one note melodies, and so mm. we're not necessarily gonna do one note melodies, but we gotta keep in mind that the the consciousness and the frequency and the attention span of the people is here. So if we're gonna if we're gonna do if we're gonna expand on that, let's expand but let's bring it back in so so we really pick and choose our places where we're really singing and yeah. really riffing versus kind of like tapping into what the folks can understand with this one note you know what i mean thing so it's been a it's been a in the last decade it's been a big balancing act of like okay this is the shit i like this is what's resonating in the culture i'm not i'm not selling out but i'm adapting and yeah. i'm evolving with the times and i'm for me you can't push the boundaries and you, unless you're ready to have the conversation. Right. You know, you got to hear the other party out. And it's like, great. Granted, like, I have my own vision of what music is, but I got to hear my this generation out. And I'm yeah. like, okay, why are they gravitating to this? What's the feeling behind this that's making them gravitate to this? Instead of just sitting around and hating, oh, music today fucking <laughs> sucks. You know what I mean? Yep, Which is, yep. They, if you think about it, they've done that in every generation. Yep. Bebop, Charlie Parker, oh, no, this is not, you know, next generation, oh, it's not. And then so it's like every generation, they hate on it. And then later they're like, oh, those were the golden years. So. For sure. I mean, I definitely, I definitely could see that some of the music now we got to really, we got to, we got to really keep pushing it, man. You know what I'm saying? Oh, but yeah, at the oh, same yeah. time, I understand if there's a cultural relevance, if there's a dance, if there's the, the, the thing has a music has a bounce that the people are doing dances to, that's relevant too. That's the, you know what I mean? That's the rhythm. That's the rhythm and the frequency For sure. of culture. Like, who am I to ignore it? Yeah. You So you got the album of the year, Grammy nom, and you've had several Grammy noms, but but haven't pulled one in yet. Exactly. How how does it feel to lose the Grammy? It's the fucking worst feeling in the world for me personally. <laughs> the whole yeah. shit of like, oh, at least you're nominated. Oh my god! First of all, it's a week full of events. You're yeah. you're excited about it beyond, you know what I mean. And so like, even leading up to the week, you're so excited. The week sets off. You're at the, the the Grammy nomination brunch. You're at every event. You're walking around with this thing on the nomination. You're like, everybody's hyping you up. And then, like, in my mind, I'm like, ah, I don't know if we're going to win album of the year. This is, this is by the way, the most prestigious category. It's the one announced last. Yes. It's the very last category announced. So... All week is just leading up to it, just leading up. They're walking you up, 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 up to the mountain, and every event you're hyped up. You're you're drinking, you're mingling, like yeah, yeah, yeah. You get to the awards and you're sitting through it. All the awards, everybody's winning. Okay, it's a long, it's a long ceremony, man. It's, it's a three it's and a long, hours. It's yeah. a long ceremony. You know, you don't. The food is not open, so you're getting hungry, and then yeah. you're like, you know, no first drinks. of all, like. This is the first time I've ever been styled. I'm like, you know, my, like in, in the fanciest clothes I ever wore. Like, you know, I'm sitting right behind Young Thug. Like, I'm like, oh, this is like, wow, this is like crazy. And then like it just goes, goes and goes and goes. And it's just the anticipation. And then finally they're at that last category. And you've been thinking about this moment for freaking four months. And like this is that final moment. And they announce it. And then you're not the winner. And then you're like, oh, shit, this, oh, my God, what a sobering feeling. And then the 
ceremony ends and everybody is rushing to go to the hallway to get out and then you're in the hallway like this everybody's walking and then like it's a slow <laughs> one step at a time walk out of the building I'm having an anxiety attack I'm like literally I just fucking want to go home and crawl and people I'm running into people I know they're like hey ah sorry I'm like <laughs> thanks I'm running to somebody else they're like hey hey did you win anything no I didn't win anything and then it's like we get outside and there's no fucking cabs or Ubers cause everybody's waiting to somebody so we're just sitting around and it's fucking freezing and then they're like alright let's go to this after party we go to the after party and it's like the food just tastes bad the drinks are horrible <laughs> it's the same people that I've been seeing at every single event the whole week they're like, yeah. And I have nothing to say to them. I'm just sitting there. And I'm just like, I really don't have anything else to say anymore. I just want to go home. And then literally we came to catch an Uber. And then finally we wait. We finally catch an Uber. I get home. I wake up the next day with COVID. Oh, shit. That was 2020. They didn't know. I didn't know it was COVID at the time. But definitely it was COVID. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. woke up sicker than I've ever been. I'm like. What, you know, what the fuck is going on? A couple weeks later, I found out it's this thing called COVID. Oh, my God. That's so everyone. Jeff, it's a- I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, so I, 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 it's an honor to be nominated, but man, it sucks to lose. But you think about it, like MJ, when he lost the championship to Detroit Pistons, what was it, 90, right? I'm sure they didn't go back to the locker room. Like, well, at least we were like, no, bro. Like, at least we were. How the, the fuck did we get yeah. so high yeah. and fall so far down? Like, yeah. how? Let's never get to the finals and lose ever, ever again. again. Yeah. So MJ went straight to the gym the next day. Exactly. Like uh, famously and exactly trained immediately. Like yep. no break. Train. Get it. Mm-hmm. And then got it. Yeah. 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 I didn't get it the next year. I was going to say, you didn't say, get yeah, it. Yeah, hey, by it, the way, again. Jeff, really sorry about that. Yeah, I think you deserved it. I, I, I voted for you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. No, listen, <laughs> listen. Yeah, it's, it was the same thing. So this year um, was the first year, although I, I, I helped out with a lot of nominated projects. The, the, the rules of it, I didn't you know technically have uh, qualified for the 51% or more. So this year was the first year in a few years that I haven't been nominated. And boy, did was it awesome not to lose. <laughs> to walk down that hallway is not a loser. Oh my God, not that I won, but it was just nice. I seen everybody else and they were mad. And I'm like, ah, sorry. Uh, I'll see you at the after party. And the, at least you were nominated. And the drinks were better this year at oh. the after party. And the food tasted better. You know what I mean? <laughs> It, it was, I was like, I enjoyed myself at the after party, and then I uh, went home, but definitely went to the gym the next day. Oh, there you go. yeah. It's coming every for day. you, Jeff. Yeah, no, It's thank coming you. for you. That, you. that Grammy's coming, bro. Um, So you, you got to work a lot with Mac Miller. I did, yeah. What was it like working with Mac Miller? Man, he's, he's another one of those just brilliant, you know, geniuses. He played every instrument, you know, and uh, was really involved, made amazing beats, and so... um. You know, one of one of the most proudest moments of my life and career. People ask me, "What are some of your favorite records you worked on?" And um, I keep gravitating towards uh, "Come Back to Earth" by Mac Miller. And it was um, just me and him. Um, we 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 did the original uh, idea and tracking. And then um, uh, a friend of mine, Kevin Theodore, he was visiting L.A. And I was like, "Bro, what are you doing right now?" 
the same he's actually signed to me now as a writer he's an amazing producer and writer now but yeah this was what like 2016 or something and uh he uh i was like kev what you doing man pull up and so he pulled up and played keys on the on on that recording but yeah me and mac really kind of conceived that idea and that that whole thing that there that that night you know and he had this idea he had the melody and and the lyrics and he didn't know where to go musically and so um it's crazy because i listen to it now um it's pretty crazy. It has like three or four different sections. It's not like a loop by any yeah, means. Yeah. Every single part is different. I was really just following him where he was going melodically. And um, yeah, that was one of the most proudest moments when he passed. Um, you know, the fans really gravitated to that one. And it's, yeah. uh, it was just a like a bigger metaphor for, for his life and, and uh, missing him. And so, yeah. um, you know, it's great to make money and, and make make uh, records people could dance to and bob to, but it's it's um, it's a different feeling when when you really make something that a friend of mine told me kind of saves lives. You know, he said yeah. that song saves lives, and so um, yeah, it's, I'm just grateful to be a vessel and a channel for his creativity. That's amazing, man. Yeah, and especially because that's you being so musical to be able to not just have it be this loop or this beat. Yeah, no, that's exactly. It's like. All those years you train for it's like the tip of the iceberg. Like you know, all the things that I know: Charlie Parker, Coltrane, you know, Stravinsky, Bartok. All those things, you know, Joni Mitchell, uh, Bob Dylan. All those things that are when you see the tip of the iceberg, you don't see all the things that it's yeah. built on. So, exactly. um, you know, when 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 we talk a conversation, I'm not going to tell you every word I know in the English dictionary, but I, it's nice to have those in case you need to use them. For sure. But um, same thing. You know, somebody comes to fix your toilet. They're not gonna. They're gonna bring every tool they have, but to fix your toilet, they might be just one little thing. So, same thing as a musician or, or a creative. You know, you don't have to use every fucking tool. You don't have to play every note, every lick. You know, just what is the situation? What does that moment call for? Yeah. Do you have a memorable moment with Mac? Yeah, it was that night. Um, yeah. It was two really. Uh, it was a couple. It was actually many because he was really fucking funny and so um we would just get into laughing fits all the time but yeah that that night it was at his house um and we didn't even we had an engineer but it's like he came late and it was just it wasn't no you know uh at first we didn't even have an engineer we we there was nobody else not like all these beat makers all these whatever like a whole entourage it was just me and him and it was a very vulnerable moment and um you know it was it was um it was a yeah it was just a, a, a amazing intimacy that we had creatively that That's night beautiful. and then um <clears throat> yeah i've never really shared this but um you know the night he passed i i um i i spoke to him and i was i was texting him a few hours prior and i sent him a beat and uh he was like this is fire i'm gonna fuck with it right now and um then Next morning, my friend called me. Said he was dead. I was like, "That's impossible." I literally just talked to him. Stop, man. So no way. Yeah, yeah. That that was one one. What did that thing feel I'll like? That's remember. gotta be shocking. It, it didn't even feel. Make sense. It actually didn't make sense to me. Yeah. It wasn't real because, but it it was it was. Uh, I'm being real, so like you know. Sometimes you, you have a great creative relationship, but on the business side, whether you're an attorney or your manager, and it, with things that happen on the business side, they um, sometimes me and him don't deal with it. Me and the artist don't deal with it directly, yeah. but our teams kind of deal with it. And yeah. so um, 
there, there was something that we were negotiating. I'll just mm. put it that way. There yeah. was something that um, on that song they were offering me that I just thought that I deserved more maybe. And yeah. so I was planning on coming over his house and he wasn't a confrontational person at all. Right. And so, but it was the kind of thing I was planning on coming over his house and talking to him and like kind of saying, Hey, like, damn, I hate to cross that line and talk about business, but like, there's a situation, there's a situation. I was hoping that me and you could just talk and resolve it. And so, but he wanted me to come over to work on music. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'll be right. I'll be right there. But I was going to come over to work on music, but I was really going to come over to have this talk. Yeah. And so I was working on something else. I didn't end up coming over the night before. And I was like, um, you know what? I'm, let me just send you some beats. And I sent him the beat instead. He was like, yo, this is fire. He's like, well, maybe you come by tomorrow, you know? So I'm actually really glad that my very last conversation wasn't like about business and confronting an issue. You know, I kind of yeah. said, you know what? I'll get to it when I get to it. I'm I'm just gonna focus on the music. I'll send him something, and so I'm really I'm really happy that my last conversation with him wasn't, um, yeah, wasn't 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 one I would have regretted. That's crazy. Yeah, you never you never know what conversation you have with someone's gonna be your last conversation with them, and yeah. especially when it's someone so young, you don't even the thought yeah. doesn't even cross your mind. Like I know when I go see my grandma, I think, oh, is this my last time seeing my grandma? Same, dude. But, I have a yeah. My grandma's ninety six, and yeah. she, wow, I, amazing. Same. Yeah. Same. She's a Holocaust survivor, and I just saw her, and I had to do a little documentary, a little footage because um, amazing. Because every time I see her, you know, she, uh, I feel like it's the last time. Yeah, my my grandma is ninety four, also a Russian Jew, and um, and yeah, it's the same thing. So I always think that when I see her, but you don't think about that when you're talk when you're talking to a collaborator in their twenties or thirties mm-hmm. or forties yeah. or fifty. <laughs> yeah, just, exactly. You don't think about that, so it's crazy because you can't always just take all those actions or, or how do you take all those actions of wondering, Oh, is this my last time interacting with someone? Or how do you leave someone in a positive way every single time, just in case it is? Yeah. It's a lot, but it, it's, it's, I guess that's just, it wasn't, yeah, it didn't play out in the cards for that, but no. it, it was supposed to just be you sending him a beat and him and which is probably something he loved hearing and then exactly. and, and having the interaction, you'd be like, yo, this is fire getting him creatively amped, even though and, just that's so crazy that a few hours later he passed. And man. he wasn't, so you crazy. know, like in a lot of ways, like, like my boy <laughs> Anderson Peck, he, they wouldn't, they just wouldn't hop on every beat. They wouldn't love every beat. Yeah. So for him to actually respond and be like, oh no, this shit is fire. Yeah. Like, it meant everything to me because it was like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I felt like, like, um, it's some real shit, like a yeah. winner. And you know, a part of me, part of me wonders is maybe, maybe he was cut into it when, you know, I don't know. Right. That night, you know what I mean? Right. If it was that, that's one that I always later. think about, you know, that's a crazy thought. What's the vibe of that beat? Oh, it's, um, it's, uh, some 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 feel good shit, you yeah, know. Yeah. Uh, um, it's one I did with uh, this, this guy Rufio, who's a great drummer, actually. Yeah, I know Rufio. You know Rufio, yeah, yeah hell he's a yeah, sick man. drummer. Sick and drummer. so this beat had um, TV live on the drums, radio, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so this beat had live drums on it, and Mac was really gravitating towards live drums. You yeah. Know? And there was another beat that I did with Anderson playing live drums that Mac was really um, fucking with at the time too. So yeah, it was that. That was he was on those vibes, you know. So that's something you think about that's on your mind. Um. Or at the time. It, it, it's just yeah. It is at the time. I I did I did th- I did I did think about it a lot. But I think the the thing that I th- I'm just grateful now. All these years later, is when I hear that song. When I think about my experience, it's just I'm glad that my last conversation wasn't about business. Business. Yeah. It was about positive and 
you know, positivity and moving forward and, um, and just, yeah, just music. And that's yeah. he was like a, he was like a kid that was just excited about music, man, you know? And it was crazy. He really was one of the most talented motherfuckers, like out there. Like it was, it was wild. Like yeah. he literally did everything. I'm not aware of any, I mean, just a musician in general, but, but particularly a rapper who, who's really that like versatile in making records. Mm. Yeah, he's like amazing. he really played yeah. some guitar. One time, yeah. the funny story is he fucking got mad at me because um, his girl at the time, uh, who everybody knows who that is, bought him a present, bought him like a, a I don't know, princess, what <laughs> one of Prince's guitars. Oh, really? And so I seen this purple uh, uh, Les Paul, and he's like, "Yo, that's Prince's guitar." And I'm like, "Oh, sick! Let me let me go, let me play." It. And he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't touch it!" I'm like. You're kidding, right? He's like, no, I'm dead serious. But he has a smile on his face. I'm like, no, you're fucking kidding, right? He's like, no, I'm serious. Please don't play it. I was like, wait, you telling me you have a fucking guitar here and you invited me here and I can't play a guitar that's literally not in a fucking glass case. And it's like, so we like get into this little riff. He's like, no, I'm serious. I'm like, who the fuck does that? Who has guitars <laughs> around that you can't pick up and play. I'm like, yeah. if you want to just put it in a glass case or like put it in a shell, why do you have that? He's like, no, I, I really prefer if you don't play it. I'm like, all right, you tell me what to play. He's like, well, you could play this fucking early 60s ES335. I'm like, oh, all right, I guess that's not too shabby. I guess I'm like, all right, all right. But it was that moment. He was like, whoa, whoa. Guitar. I was like, what? I'm like, man, fuck that whack-ass guitar, bro. I don't even wow. want to play it anyway. Um, anyway. What Did you ever do anything with that beat that you sent him? Um, No, no, I haven't, haven't done it. I still have it, yeah. Is there someone that you think in like max honor that you would give it to or want to bring it to? Um, or not yet? You know, I just, or I, I don't, I, I, it's, I wouldn't want to sensationalize, sensationalize it because I, I just feel like, you know, it's something personal and yeah, yeah. I, I'll play for somebody. If somebody hears something, yeah, I'll, I'll let them write to it. And then if they like it, I'll be like, Oh, by the way, yeah. Just so you know, you know, there's a, but I don't want to be like in a museum. This is the, you know, one of the I last beats he heard. Cause, cause I don't know. I wasn't there with him and like creativity, I can't for sure say because yeah. creativity, even though he told me he loves it, he might have pulled up another one and like, or he's just, he played key. He might have gotten yeah. on keys, you know what I mean? I'm not talking about sensationalizing it yeah. at all by any means. I'm talking about more so just that you know personally as a thing personally for you. There was one idea really that, did that he loved he never ended up writing to but and he loved i have it somewhere shout out to vic weinstein who's um uh just was max not only engineer but uh just really somebody who as as your engineer you you you're the organizer and the collector of their yeah. fucking intellectual property and sound recordings and so vic always treated mac with the highest honor and really preserved all those recordings and has all those ideas there's one idea that's that we did one of the nights that i'm like this would be crazy to do a max honor this yeah. would be fucking crazy it was like some weird beatles ass shit that he would rap over like i'm like yo this would be crazy to give to somebody in max honor you know yeah that'd be awesome so you've worked with a lot of really amazing lyricists mm -hmm. and so for you being a songwriter that's a lyricist but also a musician so, for example, like if you're working with a J. Cole, mm -hmm. how do you balance that? Like when to contribute to lyrics, when not to, or when to just support with music? Like how do you That's do that? That's a great question, man. Um, yeah, I, 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 um, 
the lyrics could be a sensitive thing. Yeah. Some people could be very personal, you know, and so you got to kind of just read the room. Um, and it was something that I was almost struggling with early on is to, um, to, yeah, to kind of read people, understand their comfort zone, understand when you, when you even, they might not be quick to let them figure it out themselves or give them a little assistance, you know? So it's something that I've been, uh, focusing on and learning and, uh, getting better at for years. It's a lifelong journey, you know, to, to really read the room and to, to understand when, when to help and, and when to let somebody figure it out themselves, you know? Yeah. Oftentimes with, with, with rappers, I, I don't, I don't, um, I try to stay out of the way. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's interesting because everybody's different. You got, you got, sometimes somebody fancies themselves a better writer than they are. And so, other times they're a great writer, but they like collaborating and they like ideas thrown out. Everybody's different. You just gotta. Um, sometimes somebody's insecure, and you gotta kind of like help and really help carry the weight. Um, and other times they're like, "Listen, you write it." Yeah. Okay. Cool. Let's go. And so there's been records where I've produced and wrote the whole shit myself. Um, I used to brag about it. I don't because to me, it's not about doing it by myself. It's about getting the best result. And every situation is different. No two songs have ever been the same. No two processes have ever been the same. Everything is completely unique to, to its experience. So um, me personally, that is one of my superpowers, I believe, is that I, I can do it all. And I, I sing a little bit too. And I, I could demo this shit for you. I could do background vocals. Um, I also write lyrics. And I I'm, um, I'm, I do enjoy concepts. Yeah. And I do, a lot of times, I will kind of suggest a concept to somebody. You know what I mean? And I walk around all the time with ideas. I'm like, oh shit, I should write about this, you know? Um, and so, yeah. It, it's, it's about reading the room and knowing 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 your client and, and the mood that they're in. Mm. And so what about, what's it like working with Anderson Pack? Seems like it'd be fun. It is fun. <laughs> it is fun. Look, you know, me and AP, I, I, I always had respect for him. And, and um, I think we, we started just by hanging out and just, just being friends, going out, jamming, um, you know. And uh, I think that's a really important connection to have personally. So then when we get down to work and business and in the studio, there's like a natural conversation and a mutual respect for each other. Yeah. And at what point did you find that out that he was inspired by you doing Step Kids and seeing Yo, the drummers? Thing? Way recently, he really? did tell me. He did tell me. He did tell me um, early on. They're like, "Oh yeah, you guys played at that. You guys played at the 2011. You played at the uh, what is it? The UCLA Jazz Fest, huh?" I was like, "Oh shit, yeah." He's like, "Yo." He's like, "Yeah, I like that performance." He 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 did he did tell me that early early on like 2015. Yeah. yeah. But then recently he was like, "Bro, I didn't even tell you like oh, I bought your merch. Like I was like I couldn't believe your drummer was singing. It had an impact on me." And I was like, "Really?" I'm like, "You never told me this shit." Okay, so yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I love Anderson, man. And I love his presence in music and what he's contributing. Yeah, I think his story is amazing. I remember in 2014, I heard the song uh, Drugs. Mm -hmm. And um, my friend at the time knew him. And so he said, so this guy was overweight. He went by a different name. He just had a kid. And he didn't know what to do. 
And so he locked himself in the room. He took care of his kids. He worked out. He changed the sound. He changed his name. He reemerged as this new character with a new sound. I'm like, this sounds like a fucking superhero. So when I heard that song, Drugs, I was like, there was a whole story in my mind behind. I'm like, this is a fucking superhero. I love that drugs. I remember playing that song for Chance, the rapper in 2014. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, yo, this shit is dope. I'm like, right? I'm not crazy. This shit is amazing. So I, I always had a respect for him before I knew him personally from afar. Like, this is a That's fucking so cool. real life superhero here I'm meeting, you know? He was, uh, before he was Anderson Pack, when he was just drumming in LA. Yeah. Like doing gigs as a drummer. Yeah. He was my girlfriend at the time, my, my ex girlfriend's drummer. Uh, Nilo, she was signed to Epic. Oh yeah, I remember absolutely. Wow, yeah. yeah, yeah. But but I remember we went to so Anderson when he dropped the first record, and then uh, and there was like and there was cred and there was talk about him. And yeah. we went to like a at this place. It was called the Redberry, I think at the time. Remember okay. that spot across no. the street from Capitol? Oh, okay, on, like next to the Avalon. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's had a million names since then. I think it was Redberry at the time. And regardless. Nyla and I went, it was like Anderson's party and she got there and she saw him and she was like, what's up? And gave him a hug. How you been? Oh my God. So good to see you. You know, he's like, he's like, oh, I'm good. She was like, this is cool. He's like, yeah. And then, and then, uh, and then he, he like introduced himself and he was like, oh yeah, Anderson. And she was like, what? You're Anderson Pack? He was like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm going. She was like, oh, I didn't realize. Oh, wow. That yeah. Was, her drummer has yeah, become start, Anderson yeah, Pack. Exactly. You know? Yeah. It was really cool. Like that was, I'll never forget that moment. I thought that was like, that was really funny. Um, but yeah, dude, I love, nah, he's, he's yeah. another one that's like, he's just a great musician, you know, like real music. It's amazing. Cause yeah. oftentimes like the artists, like, you know what I mean? Like sometimes they're like the client, we treat him a little different, but he's like one of us. He's a fucking, a cat. Yeah. He's a true cat. He's a true cat. You know what I mean? It's, it's crazy. It's amazing. And he likes to jam. Yeah, and it's yeah, and it's it's amazing because when I think of like the old days, like Jimi Hendrix hanging out with like Jerry Garcia or like Miles coming to hang and like you know Crosby, Stills and Nash with Joni, they were just like great musicians, great cast. They were not like these superstars, like like they were superstars, but they were like fucking just good at what you know what I'm saying. They oh, were yeah. just cats and just nerds like us, you know, and For so. Sure. So um, it's amazing. It's amazing to just, um, that was one of my biggest honors is just to be surrounded um, by, by artists like that, whether it's her, whether it's Anderson, Mac, like just be surrounded by fucking people that inspire me, man. 100%, 100%. Um, and so now you got the ball rolling. Now you've been a professional songwriter, producer for yeah. 10 years <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, no, now. It's, been, it's been a few, maybe seven. Seven years now. I mean, you got the, you got a really rolling. Could we talk about current projects you have right now? Um, yeah. So uh, uh, looking forward to the, the J-Lo project coming out. Amazing. I did, uh, I think, 10 out of the 13 songs. Nice, dude. Um, along with a uh, shout out to Roger Shahayat and Angel Lopez, my, my co-producers who are fucking amazing um and so that that's excited for that that's coming out soon um this artist hosier which is one of my favorite artists amazing artist. very, amazing singer yeah he's unbelievable unbelievable another cat you know nice. um, um and his his project is dropping i think ugh, i think the first song is coming out um in a couple of weeks i want to say here um stanley playing drums nice mm -hmm. and uh so i did a lot of work with him i'm really excited about that 
Um, let me see this guy Dominic Fike, who's fucking amazing. I'm excited for some songs to come out. This artist Chloe, Chloe Bailey, coming out um, oh, Bailey, uh, nice. soon, and uh, yeah, uh, a, a lot of other exciting things that uh, I'm not really uh, able to say right now. But some other big shit coming out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, dude, congratulations! Thank you, you fucking so much. Did it. Appreciate that. Thank you. We're still and doing it. We're still, it. yes, we are <laughs> still on the path. You know, there's, there's a lot of room to grow and continue to uh, evolve. From one entrepreneur to another. Oh, salute, man. Creative entrepreneur, blueberry, blueberry coffee.